I'm going to begin reading tonight in the 31st verse of chapter number 18. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. They did this, you'll recall, three times. After Elijah had prayed, verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces And they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. When we come to verse 41, we have a transition. And yet it's associated with the same scene. Thus I've read these verses to bring the two together. The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink. For there is sound, a sound of abundance of rain. I'm going to labor around that little phrase tonight. There is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. When my wife and I moved back to our hometown, we went down to City Hall and asked if someone could come and turn on our water. It took a while because our city is so large and so difficult for them to get everything together. But we finally got our water turned on. 
I have never asked them to come back and turn it on again. I have had to call them and see about getting my lines thawed. Living there on top of the mountain, sometimes in the winter, we have some rather severe snows and cold weather. And uh, somehow the city did not bury the water pipes deep enough coming up the road where we live. And so if we have a, a time where the water, where the temperature is below freezing for a good while, way down low, the pipes, the water in the pipes freeze. It's even frozen a couple of times, although my dad never would believe me, with the water running a little in the kitchen. He said, Bud, you couldn't have left it on if it froze. I said, whatever, whatever. Dads are always right, you know. But don't you agree that there are times, though we have access to heaven's blessings, there are times when it's as though that the pipes freeze up. Maybe it's because of circumstances. Maybe it's because of famines. But oftentimes, back behind it all, it's sin in our lives that causes God to stop the flow of blessings. For three years, the heavenly pipeline has been frozen, as it were. But Elijah's ministry has recently been validated. He's a genuine prophet. He asked God to send fire down from heaven. And then he made it almost impossible for fire to consume a sacrifice by putting so much water on it. In, in the process, God wrought repentance in the people's hearts. And they fell on their faces. And now Elijah says there's sound of abundance of rain. The New Testament text says in Acts 3.19 that there are times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Of course, when sin is dealt with, the heavenly rain begins to Drinks the dry, thirsty land. It's a picture of revival. I believe when we get on our faces and come clean with God and are willing to come clean with one another, we'll have showers of blessing. I'm grateful for the mercy drops, the songwriter said, but for the showers we plead. So tonight we come to what I'm calling the heavenly pipeline in the God-conscious life. Uh, forgive me for repetition. They say it's a great teacher, but I have found it, it can also be quite boring. 
But I would like to emphasize again my theme in these days has been a God-conscious life in a man-conscious world. And certainly Elijah lived a life of God-consciousness. He was sensitive to the Lord. I want to underline three simple thoughts tonight in association in connection with this picture of revival. First of all, let me underline that where there is sound of abundance of rain, there are precious promises. Elijah is not talking off the top of his head. He, it isn't that he's just got a burst of inspiration and he says, well, we're going to have a big rain now. This is the man who said three and a half years ago, there would be neither dew nor rain, but according to my word. And now we hear him say again, the opposite. There is a sound of abundance of rain. He's not into weather prediction, as I said earlier, but here it's evident he's into God's promises. He is properly related to the promises of God. Uh, Elijah can't tell it not to rain. Elijah can't tell it to rain. That's God's department. But he has labored with God and he knows the promise. He has the promise. I'm going to approach this matter of precious promises in what I believe to be a very practical sense. It comes to our response. Let me say, first of all, there must be a place where there is a contacting of the promise. You just don't get a funny feeling or a warm fuzzy that God's going to do something. You'll be, you'll be left out on a limb to be cut off, to be dropped in humiliation. And a lot of folks have done that. We have heard some come and go and tell us what year Jesus was coming and a lot of other things. No, we must have a word from God. And in chapter 18 and verse 1, the Lord said to Elijah, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. He'd been in Cherith, Zarephath, and now God says, I want you to go see Ahab. And so he did. And uh, he contacted the promise. He had a definite word. By the way, when you have a definite word from God, that is the origin of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have friends who years ago heard a preacher who was known in those days as a faith preacher. He was very sound biblically, but he put such a strong emphasis on living by faith that sometimes people would do foolish things in the name of faith. 
And our friends heard him preach this great sermon on faith, trust in God, believe in God, step out on, uh, out on the promise. But they didn't have a promise. And so she said, I'm believing God for $200 out of that old piano I'm getting ready to sell. Well, she called the fellow to come and look at the banged up piece of furniture and and he said, lady, she said, before you tell me, I want to confess my faith. You're going to give me $200 for it, aren't you? He said, lady, he said, it's pushing me to even say 50. He said, the piano is worn out. It's totally gone. I've checked it inside and outside. You You just really have a shell. If you want to use it for furniture, I can take out the keyboard and the strings. You can use it in different ways. He said, I can't give you but $50. Well, in confessing her faith, she had already written a letter that morning to her mother telling her that she was going to get $200 for the piano. When he said only 50, she had to go down to the corner where she'd put the letter in the box and wait for the mailman to come by late that afternoon and beg him to let her get her piece of mail out of the box. You don't just venture on some unusual feeling and say, this is what God is going to do. God will not be pushed up in a corner. He's not a corner God. He's a throne God, an enthroned reigning Lord. And so first of all, there must be a contacting of the promise. The promise must come into our hearts. God must speak it into us. And then, may I add, there must not only be a contacting of the promise, but there must be a confessing of the promise. I believe Elijah did that in verse 41 when he said to Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. He was not sounding out some far-fetched story. And you've seen this. There are some people who want to be so impressive in their spiritual life, they can can produce some far-fetched stories, brother. I'll not give any illustrations. But I, I tell you, real faith will not have to to produce some unusual message or some unusual declaration. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's not far-fetched ideas, it's evidence. Because you have the promise. And so Elijah said there's going to be rain. <laughs> May I say thirdly, there must not only be a contacting of the promise and a confessing of the promise, but there must be a cooperation with the promise. Elijah was not complacent. He didn't say, 
It's going to rain now. It's time to rain. <laughs> I told you it would. Wouldn't, and now I'm telling you it would. No, he wasn't complacent about it. Notice in verse number 42. Elijah, as Ahab went up to eat and to drink, Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Through prayer, he disciplines himself to seek God even though he knows the mind of God. There's something about prayer that that does not cease in the moment of blessing or in in the moment of revival. And so he casts himself down. He just falls down on his knees, his head between, his face between his knees, and he cries out to God. I want to begin in verse number 43 with a second emphasis. But don't lose sight of this first one. And when there is a sound of abundance of rain, there is a special, a special experience of God's precious promises. Let me say secondly, when there is a sound of abundance of rain, there will be persistent prayer. Uh, I have used verse 42 to build upon and to magnify this principle. But I, let me just read a couple of verses from the New Testament about Elijah's prayers. James chapter 5, verse number 17 says, Elias, Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. It's you know, when you study a life like Elijah, you almost feel like you've got a Superman-type person. But he, he was subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Verse 18, And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Of course, the statement that prefaces these two verses about praying that it might not rain and praying that it would rain are these words, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, God can send revival any way He wants to. He's sovereign. He doesn't ask us to vote on it. He does as He pleases. But he often uses the channel of prayer in bringing a sound of abundance of rain. Would you notice two or three things about Elijah's constant or persistent prayer? Beginning with verse 42, he cast himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees in this posture of deep reverence. Could I say, firstly, that Elijah prayed earnestly. He, pray, he prayed earnestly. To me, I, and I think it's important that we see God in the light of the Scriptures. He's high and holy. He's to be re revered. He's to be honored. 
He, he is to be feared. He, he is to be uh, appreciated and respected. And yet there's something about his person that, that is giving. It is releasing. Like a father giving to his children. God would give to his children. And yet here Elijah takes the position of a beggar. <laughs> God must have looked his way as this prophet takes the, took the place of a poor beggar. He prayed earnestly. I wonder how you approach God. We have reached a point in our society where He's only looked at as the as the uh, uh, the good man upstairs or the big man upstairs. Or, oh, he's to be reverenced. He prayed earnestly. It wasn't Lord bless bless our four and no more. Amen. And and he didn't. As far as we can tell, he didn't go through all our little rhetoric. Our most Precious, kind, benevolent, heavenly, loving, heavenly Father. I think I've said this here before, but aren't you glad Simon Peter didn't pray like that when he was sinking on the Sea of Galilee? By the time he got to the word benevolent, it would have sounded like this, glib, 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 as he went under. God's not interested in all of our pretty rhetoric, but he is looking for earnest souls. Notice furthermore in verse 43, Elijah not only prayed earnestly, he prayed expectantly. He said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. <laughs> he was expecting a cloud. Sort of like the folks who had been praying out in the Midwest, they'd been praying for rain. Oh, God, give us rain for our crops. Oh, God, moisten the dust of our fields. This one sister brought her umbrella. Someone made a little fun of her. She said, well, we're praying for rain, aren't we? Ah, we should not only pray earnestly, we should pray expectantly. Now, we must admit there are times when someone has to tell us there is nothing, there is nothing. Is anything happening in the service? There's nothing. Is there a moving of God in our midst? There's nothing. Are, are the songs touching hearts? There's nothing. Is, is the sermon being used of God? There's nothing. But Elijah didn't let this dampen his spirit. He sent his servant back seven times. He said, you go tell me, is there a cloud? Go up there and tell me what you see. 
We're told in verse number 44, And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. A.W. <laughs> Pink said that it was as though Elijah's hand had been held up in this, before God in the heavens so long that it had left a shadow in the sky. A cloud the size of a man's hand. <laughs> Even that doesn't sound very promising, does it? But Elijah said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. <laughs> Don't you imagine Ahab said, Rain, what's this crazy fool up to now? Elijah said it's going to rain. He prayed expectantly. And may I say furthermore, he not only prayed earnestly and expectantly, but he prayed effectually, or if you prefer, effectively. The truth is, God hears and answers prayer. Tom, I don't see it. Well, no, right now you may hear there is nothing. But keep on praying. Keep on believing God. Keep on waiting. Keep on seeking His face. Look beyond the circumstances. Look out over the sea. Look for a cloud. Look for God's intervention. Look for God to do something. I don't know why we think God's going to do anything when we come Together, well, I guess same old crowd tonight, isn't it? <laughs> it's like our our oldest daughter. She's sort of a calculator. She she thinks things through, and uh, she was just I don't know, maybe eight or nine, and <laughs> our pastor was preaching through the Gospel of John. And she'd been listening. She she knew where he was. She knew. And she said to her mother, I was out of town. She said to her mother en route to church, she said, do you think the preacher's going to preach in John 20 again this Sunday? <laughs> she'd already heard two or three sermons there. I want to say, beloved, God still hears and answers prayer. And may we come believing. May we come trusting and committing ourselves to the operation of God. Yes, there were precious promises, but there was also persistent prayer. Before we go our ways tonight, I want us to look thirdly at the plenteous provision. Ah, I hear water flowing in the pipeline, Elijah said. You better get up there and tell Ahab he better hurry and go to Jezreel or he's going to get drowned in the rainstorm. Verse number 45, and it came to pass. Oh, I like that, don't you? And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds 
and wind, and there was a great rain. The little bitty cloud became a large black covering, and God sent a deluge to Mount Carmel. A great rain, it's called. A great rain. Let me say, first of all, there were plenteous showers provided for the land. Now, they wanted rain. They, they wished rain would come, but they had, they had not been willing to part with their idolatry. It wasn't until the fire fell at Mount Carmel that they said, the Lord, He is the right God. He is the God. It's as though they have repentance worked in them. They forsake their idolatrous practices. And now God begins to bless the land. The rain is falling. Oh, can't you see it drinking it up? I was out in West Texas, uh, about 30 miles out of Abilene. Several years ago, they had not had rain in months. I forget the figures, but boy, they had counted days and weeks and months. And uh, during that meeting, they had a big rain. I'll never forget it. The ground was so hard and crusty. The water was just running down the streets and running on the land. Uh... The pastor I was with did a little goat farming on the side. He had goats. And two of his little goats drowned because the rain started, the water started rising there in the little area where he had his goats. And they didn't know what to do. They'd never seen rain before. And they drowned in the rain. But it seemed like an hour later when the storm was gone, the, the ground just sucked it all up. There was no evidence the next day we'd had any rain. Oh, spiritually, our land is dry. But oh, that God might blow in the clouds of His purpose. And there might be a mighty rushing wind of the Spirit and the flood tides of grace might be released and uh, rivers of living water might sweep through our soul and sweep through our churches and sweep through our families and sweep through our country. Plenty of showers provided for the land. Plenty of strength provided by the Lord. I tell you this, Elijah, according to verse number 46, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And you can do a lot of things when the hand of the Lord is upon you. But Elijah girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Eight, approximately 18 miles. <laughs> and he hadn't been jogging around the brook either. 
No, the hand of the Lord came upon him. I love that story about one of the old-fashioned camp meetings years ago. They said this old brother, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And in the moment of excitement, he climbed up a little tree out beside the tabernacle. He said, then the Spirit departed from him, and they had to call the fire department to get him down. <laughs> I would encourage you not to just go at some venture and try to do something, but if the hand of the Lord is upon you, that makes the difference. <laughs> we can run and not be weary in the power of the Spirit. We can keep ahead of the chariots. We can keep, keep ahead of Ahab's chariots in the strength of God. And he girded up his loins you remember they wore those long flowing garments? And so he takes his garment and he tucks it under his girdle and he runs so his so he speed and, he, and his running will not be impeded. He girds up at the bottom part of his garment. Ah, oh, make sure there are no obstacles when the Spirit of God wants to move. When revival, when an ebb of revival is moving, Make sure you don't get in the way of what God wants to do. Now, in the light of what I've preached tonight, I must confess to you that I wonder if we really want what we're praying for when we pray for revival. It'll involve an attachment to God's precious promises. There will be a deep association to persistent prayer. And there will be a revelation of plenteous provisions, grace. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I'll give one closing word. There was also plenteous submission provided towards the leaders. Now, you know Elijah did not put his approval on Ahab and Jezebel's wrongs. But the Bible says he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. It's as though that in getting Ahab to come down and not get uh, drowned in the deluge and getting ahead of the water, and Elijah going before him. It's like he's running as a king's messenger. He is giving honor where honor is due. The spirit of submission came upon him, even to Ahab's authority. And he respected him. I believe where there is revival, there will be a noted appreciation for authority. And you will admit we live in a society where authority is mocked on every level. Several years ago, it was my, my wife and I, my privilege to go to Alaska. And 
I know it doesn't sound like me, but I don't get impressed very much. But that, that Alaska pipeline just baffled me. And uh, it's 800 miles long. It's one of the largest uh, oil pipelines in the world. It's a diameter of 48 inches, four feet all the way through. It crosses three mountain ranges. Over 800 rivers and creeks, it crosses streams. And uh, they say that now approximately 15 million barrels of oil have passed through the Alaska pipeline. I know with the way gas prices are tonight, you're wondering, well, where is some of that oil? If man can make a pipeline that can seemingly overcome obstacles and pour out much needed oil in another location, cannot the God of heaven pour out a sound of abundance of rain through the heavenly pipeline and touch your children and my children and our grandchildren and another day to come raise up a standard for His glory, I believe He can. That God would help some of us to get a hold of the promise. May He put it in our heart. <laughs> a sound of abundance of rain. Would you stand with me, please? How much trouble, Pastor, would it be for us to sing the song, even if the priest team needs to come, that one about send the rain? Uh, Is that a a big issue? Can we do that? I didn't figure it would be, but... While we wait in his presence, let's ask the Lord to open our hearts to these truths. Our Father, we we pray that this may be more than black letters on white paper and another sermon to carry out with us. We ask, Lord, that thou touch someone in this congregation and give them a renewed burden to pray. And pray until they pray through. Lord, I I ask somehow that thou wast help us to walk in what light you've given us. If you've revealed truth, help us to walk in it, Lord. Help us not to back up now, but to walk in the light that thou hast revealed. Whatever area of life it may involve, help us to walk in the light. And I pray, Lord, that somehow 
we may anticipate, we may expect sound of abundance of rain. Now we ask that thou wast be glorified as we wait in thy presence in Jesus' name. Amen. While they lead us, let's sing. Let's sing with them this excellent prayer. Spirit for us to bow our heads just a moment. I wonder tonight if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, Brother Hayes, in the course of this meeting, God touched my heart about an area in my life, maybe in your prayer life. Maybe you struggle with effectual prayer. Maybe you struggle with expectant prayer. We are living in a day when people don't expect a whole lot for God to do a whole lot. I find a lot of people that really don't believe God's going to do much. And uh, a lot of people griping and complaining. But uh, Elijah believed God was going to do great things. Maybe you are here and, and God has spoken to your heart in some way in the midst of this. And you say, Pastor, uh, I'll never be the same. Some things I've put on the altar, some things God's dealt with me about that I've committed to the Lord in this time of meeting. And... Uh, I'd like to acknowledge that and praise the Lord that God has touched my heart in this meeting. Would you raise your hand tonight? Amen. God bless you. Brother Tom, leave him up. Leave him up. Brother Tom's come to minister to us, and I want, I want this to be a witness to 
of what God has done in this meeting. Lord bless you. You can put your hands down. I want us to close our meeting tonight singing this little chorus together. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to you our way to walk alongside with us for three or four days uh, and we can follow Jesus with you and uh, dad glad for the privilege I've had walking the journey with you the Lord's been good to us should never take it for granted. Let's close with this chorus. I am Precious time together. Shake hands with one another. Uh, go over and